the crime scene in Ohio with the toxic chemical spill and burn-off leaves us more questions than answers. Tammy Clark and Kristen Megan Kelly, both expert industrial hygienists, join us top of the program. They're calling this mass criminal negligence. And then Congressman Jim Jordan is here on the top stories, including the Ohio train derailment, holding the Intel community responsible for the Hunter Biden laptop story. That Supreme Court commission report is out. The January 6th tapes and his new role as chair of the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. And finally, Dr. Jim Thorpe, board certified OBGYN, here on the effects of COVID-19 vaccines on pregnancy, using the FDA and CDC data shows alarming numbers that should frighten about everyone. Will it frighten the CDC and FDA is the question. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the lies and deceit and bring forth real talk from real people about real news providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour this is viewpoint this sunday welcome to the weekend news magazine viewpoint this sunday it is malcolm out loud here all right, so let's get right to this uh, spill in Ohio. And uh, this has caught uh, the imagination of about everybody in the country. You know, the thing about this is when you see something like this at this level, uh, it's funny how a lot of people turn the channel or don't pay attention because it's not in their backyard. But, you know, I think it's important we all pay attention because the response is important on this sort of thing and the ramifications of how things are being handled is very important and frankly friends this could happen to any one of us in any areas this sort of a catastrophic event here so we all need to pay attention whether we live in ohio or not one of the things i'm wondering is uh, really technically and from a professional standpoint was it the right decision to burn those chemicals off. And that's what I'm wondering, because you see the plume of, of hazard smoke and everything and up there, and you wonder, and that's spreading all over. And I just wonder, was that the only alternative that officials had uh, when they made that decision? Uh, let's start the broadcast off here with Tammy Clark joins us. Uh, she's an industrial hygienist, environmental health and safety professional, and the vice president of Stand Up Michigan. Uh, Kristen Megan Kelly is here as well. Well, she's an Air Force veteran, a senior industrial hygienist, and a podcast host for We the Patriots uh, USA. Welcome both, ladies. And uh, let's start with this big question I, I haven't, and it's been on my mind exactly. When they made the decision to set this all ablaze, uh, was that the right decision? And I, I don't really know. Is this the only alternative they had for that sort of thing? Um, Kristen, what do you think of that, please? Well, first I can say, we don't know if that was the right decision, but I can explain why I think they may have had to do it that way. Okay. So when we, when we deal with the disposal of hazardous waste, there are contract facilities that are trained to do actually controlled releases and controlled burns, and they control the parameters of how much oxygen or CO2 there is, so that how it interacts with chemicals without getting too technical, so that it can't go out into a, ju a giant plume. But 
that's when you can plan your hazardous waste disposal. So with my nine years working in bioenvironmental engineering in the Air Force, we did a lot of exercises with this and actually had to dispose of waste like this. But we also trained and responded to real world situations where we don't have that time to move these contaminants to a proper facility. So you go to the incident command and you do a risk assessment and you determine was were these so pressurized that we had a greater risk of it eventually um, exploding. And then you're dealing with an outward plume in the breathing zone with mm-hmm. shrapnel. And it would have been way worse. And this way, unfortunately, it happened, but at least the plume went upward and gave it should have given them time uh, for those that evacuated. But (laughs) Tammy can share about the improper evacuation. But my point is, we don't know until we see that after action report from the incident commander of why this decision was made. Right, right. And and Tammy, to the point here, it, it seemed to me, and I've seen a lot of reports on this, that people were questioning, did it make it more toxic? It certainly spread it out more. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And people are questioning getting into other cities and states. What would be the other alternative if you didn't burn that off? What? How, how else would we have cleaned that? Would it have just taken longer? or how, how else would they have cleaned up that site? Yes. Well, and this is why there's a lot of speculation, because... Um, we didn't make it, we didn't necessarily make it worse by burning it if the temperature or the pressure was getting to the point where it would have exploded. As Kristen explained, that would have been much worse and it would have killed hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, mm. with the explosion. So the burn actually, we don't know because we don't have the data that shows what the pressure or the temperatures inside those tanks or surrounding those tanks was. So we don't know if they had to burn because of that. We will have to wait for that after action report to know. Um, so by burning it though, if they did not have to burn it mm-hmm. and they did burn it just because they wanted to get the trains moving, which is what the speculation is, wow. um, then yes, it definitely made it worse because if the pressure and the temperature was not creating a potential explosion hazard, then they could have moved those trains, like Kristen said, to a facility where they could have done a true controlled burn. Mm, that's interesting. Now I see what you both mean when you say we really need to see the data because we don't want to be uh, overly speculating on things. But but I, I got a better vision of what you're saying and moving it and disposing of it. Looking at this site, Tammy, stay with you a moment here. When you look at this sort of damage that's been done, I mean, I'm just wondering, what is – will this – Will this town, will this ever be back to some level of normal? When you get this sort of a catastrophe, does it ever clean up to be like the way it was before this sort of a uh, spill and burn? Or is this really tainted for the long road? Well, at this point, as of right now, the entire town should be evacuated because the entire town has been contaminated. When they decided to do the burn, they only gave people five minutes notice before they were going to do the burn to shelter in place. There was no way people could get inside their homes and properly shelter. That's the other problem. They were not told how to shelter in place. So they were not told to turn off your, your furnaces, tape and seal your doors and windows and close and cover your vents. They were not told to do that. So everything that was released has been circulated and pulled back inside of every home and every business in that area and in that region. So as of right now, because of the contamination, it is ground zero. It should be completely evacuated and uninhabitable right now. Um, Down the road, though, I mean, the vinyl chloride, once it is released into the air, will dissipate rather quickly. Um, But it's combined with other, um, you know, other chemicals. There were 45 chemicals on this train. 
And uh, we don't know at this point what all was burned, um, but Kristen can explain and she can get into how that uh, the chem- the chemicals will combine with even the oxygen in the mm-hmm. air. And there was a weather system that moved through, bringing in a lot of moisture and oxygen, which of course creates other chemicals as it falls to the ground and settles. So this could turn into a Superfund site that should be uninhabitable. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering over the long run. You sometimes see these hazardous environments and they, they never sort of come back to any level of normal after that. Uh, Kristen, if you, I know for me, I'll just say me and then let me ask you, if I lived in that area, I'd be long gone. I'd been long gone. But like you you just said a moment ago, Tammy, you said five minutes. Well, I'd, I'd certainly been out of there pretty quick. I'd have grabbed my laptop and split. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Kristen, what do you think? Of, would you would you stay there or would you have stayed there at this point, this level? Um, absolutely not. And that's because in our profession, we always do individualized health risk assessments when we have data. But because we didn't have data on the actual exposures, because the EPA did not do the correct sampling, we have to treat it as a worst case scenario, which is called IDLH. It means it's immediately dangerous to life and health. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I'm going to respond to this, Um, We have like emergency response guides that tell us what PPE to wear based on exposures. But again, not having that exposure data, I have to go in there and full SCBA like the fire uh, department wears, which is called a self-contained breathing apparatus, respirator, air supply, crunchy uh, suit is what we called them. Um, No, we have to treat this as a worst case scenario until there are tests to prove that it's safe. But here's the thing. This this testing is not one and done. This, This has to be continuous. And when we do environmental sampling, Every part of the country, every part of the world has what's called background data, mm-hmm. meaning there are some places in our country that have higher mineral content, higher natural fluoride in our water, all these different things. So we have to have the background data, which the county should have. Mm-hmm. And then we bump it up against this because it's way above background. We know it's still contaminated, but we cannot like just ignorantly tell people this was this was a crime. Mm-hmm. I will say this is a crime because when they evacuated people, they were back within, I believe, two days just in time for it to dissipate on surfaces. And that's why you've seen these people speak about all these horrendous health effects, bleeding lungs, rashes, all these things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I want to get more to that, the response on this, the government response, the emergency response. That's the biggest question mark in all this. But but, uh, Kristen, to the point of these images now, and keeping it real, keeping it real, I'm seeing, we're we're all now have an understanding that there's a lot of dead animals, a lot of dead fish, a lot of dead, you know, these sort of things. The impact of these sort of chemicals to animals and fish and that sort of thing in the environment versus human beings, how do we relate that as people? How, how should we, Kristen, relate the danger I'm talking about? You're talking about, you know, the harm to the animals. And yeah, the if they're dying, if they're dying like that, I mean, what what the, what does that say about the rest of us? I, I, I'm serious. I mean, are they just more susceptible to it because they're a, a fish or a or a porcupine or something else or what have you? Or actually, are, are we at risk? Actually, it's the complete opposite. Toxicity ratings and testings for how things impact human life are often tested first on animals. But what a lot of the average layperson doesn't understand is that it's actually usually more toxic to humans because of just how our bodies are designed and how, um, you know, wildlife is kind of mutated to be able to adapt to different um, environmental changes. So um, this, these things are highly corrosive and in the water, it basically will displace the oxygen in the water for the aquatic life. Mm -hmm. This is actually massive damage to the immune system, but 
you know, in the what like industrial hygiene 101, if you can taste or smell a contaminant, it's bad and you're already exposed. Right. Um, so the people that are still saying, oh, it smells like death. That's a form of like formaldehyde that is can off gas from all these mixing of these chemicals. Yeah. I mean, if you can still smell it, you shouldn't be there. And that is the, the lack of risk communication exactly. because they're afraid of air quote scaring people. Right. You know, they had no problem doing this during COVID. It's kind of backwards. You know, it's right, like right. they freaked out and gave you the wrong guidance on COVID. And now we actually have a real hazard and they're underplaying it. Well, quite it's, frankly, I'd, I'd rather be scared than dead. You know what I mean? I mean, if, exactly. if, if fear is the element of whatever, then I think we'll take that. Let me let me ask Tammy back to what we're just talking about with Kristen, the follow up on that. And, and I'm wondering, this is a sincere question. You know, I just learned something from Kristen when she says, well, you know, animals compared to humans, when I just asked that question, they have more tolerance and they're dying. I guess the question I would wonder then, Tammy, is why haven't any human beings, at least I don't know if there, I don't think there's anybody died yet from this, but why haven't there been deaths there uh, from people versus the animals then, if that's the case? Well, we don't live outdoors. Uh, we live in our homes and they are a, a lot more sealed and protected than being out, outdoors exposed 100% of the, the time. The exposure then you're speaking yes, about. Yes, yeah. So it's, you know, the, the people in this town were exposed to an immediate acute exposure, high level okay. exposure, yeah. but then they were in their homes. Now there is residue and there uh, is sediment, obviously contaminants that uh, are, have settled on all the surfaces in their homes, but it's not nearly the level of exposure as being outdoors. Well, Tammy, that air, makes sense, but let ground. me, let me interject. That makes a lot of sense to me, but however, 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 I'm seeing from a lot of the videos and shots I've seen the workers, they're just walking around with no protective anything on. I mean, I, you wouldn't even know. Yeah. I mean, I don't really even understand that. Why ain't they impacted? Well, yeah, they're they're like semi-protected, and we know that they are um, dealing with some of these issues because uh, one of our cameramen that we were talking with and working with, even while they were scrubbing the water, um, so it looks like churning the water to people, he was right there filming while they were doing that. Now, the workers had like semi-protection on. It wasn't exactly what they needed. They, they were sort of semi-protected, um, but they weren't wearing the proper PPE, and he wasn't wearing the proper PPE at the time he was filming and his eyes started burning. He started coughing and choking and he had to actually leave the area where mm -hmm. he was filming because of the exposure being created as they were turning up the sludge from the bottom of the rivers. Mm -hmm. so, when this happens to somebody and you have those sort of impacts and I'm, I'm hearing you both, you smell, you taste, you know, it's there. Okay. What are we talking about? Sincere again, the long-term, is this just a moment of inconvenience or once you've been, you know, this is you've been um, exposed to this sort of thing. Are we talking, you know, lifetime problems with this kind of a thing, health-wise? So, yeah, that that is a potential unfortunate outcome. And when you're, you know, just to kind of expand on that, you know, we deal with different breakdowns of chemicals in our body based on different half-lives. Mm -hmm. And without getting technical, um, this is why you see some people. Everyone's exposure could be different based on how close or how far they were. But a man coughing up blood on Tucker Carlson is a prime example of gross, uh, of gross reactions to the internal organs. But when you're dealing with all of these chemicals and the EPA saying, oh, they're below this, the limits we're worried about. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's wrong because mm -hmm. you, let's just say we have 10 chemicals and all these chemicals are low exposure levels, but all 10 of those chemicals attack the same target organs like the liver and the gastrointestinal tract. 
So it's cumulative dose over time. And if these people are staying there, everyone's talking about the water, the water, but it's everywhere. And people are dredging it back up. You know, people that are right now testing the soil can get this stuff back in the air. And if you can visualize for a moment, Mm -hmm. everything that fell down from that cloud that dissipated. Yeah. Imagine that was blood. So you have to visualize. I always tell people in a contamination zone, picture everything is blood because then every time you touch something, you'd want to wash your hands. Tammy, last word on that. I mean, is that what you take away from this is the response is really the question. Yes. And that's why we got involved in this, because once again, we are watching mass criminal negligence. I mean, this is this is not something that we are being overreactive about. The government is being underreactive about it. They are completely putting people at risk in harm's way because of their fascist relationship with big corporations and unions. They want to get these trains moving again. They've got contracts with these huge, huge corporations. And so the EPA that was really created to protect the environment and, of course, people with environmental contaminants is now protecting the best interests of the government uh, officials and agencies and the corporations that they are contractually working with. And so it is really mass criminal negligence. Mass criminal negligence. uh, Wow. That is a very interesting place. Absolutely. Uh, There's no other way to put it here. There really is no other way to put it. Thank you both, Tammy Clark, uh, Kristen, Megan Kelly. You're both terrific, uh, just incredibly professional. And the level of information you bring out to folks is is, uh, so important. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's a privilege uh, to have you both here. Um, And, you know, it's good to just get a perspective, friends, uh, from people who know, because I don't know the answers to these things. And surely I'm not going to speculate, but I surely have a lot of questions here. We're going to continue those questions in just moments here. Congressman Jim Jordan will join us here. Uh, Stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud talk radio. Make sure you go to our website and check the banner bars. The banner bars to the sponsors, when you click on them, automatically give you a discount on products. I like especially Healthy Cell REM Sleep Supplement for a great night's sleep. I took it last night. No wonder I feel so good today. Check out Healthy Cell and go to our website, Banner Bar, to get a discount off your first purchase. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. A privilege to be with you always, my fellow Americans. Welcome into the broadcast here. Uh, excited to bring on now Congressman Jim Jordan joins us. He's a representative for Ohio's 4th Congressional District, our chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And, and actually, I think everybody knows, I mean, uh, Jordan is founding member of the uh, Conservative House Freedom Caucus and currently serves as vice chair there, amongst other things. And Congressman Jim Jordan, Jordan, thank you uh, for joining us here. Privileged to have you, sir. Good to to be with you. Thanks for all Uh, you do. 
Hey, let's start with that Ohio train derailment. Now, I just had a couple yeah. of uh, OSHA experts on talking about the the real nature of this thing. And, and I, I don't like to get inflammatory or talk, you know, just trash, just to excite people. But there is a real fear and concern there with what's taking place. I think the underlying point I'm getting is the government response of what's happened there with surely the governor and then federal response. Yeah. Uh, what is your takeaway for what's happening there? These poor people in that part of Ohio. Yeah, uh, I mean, people expect their government to give them straight answers. I don't know that that was always what what was going on. And and frankly, the the slowness and, and the, the lack of, of a prompt response, I think, was also a concern, particularly from the federal government. I mean, it took forever for for Secretary Buttigieg to ever ever get to Ohio. I, I thought it was interesting that that former President Trump was was there before Secretary Buttigieg was was uh, in town. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one of the things that we're we're supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, for the people. So let we the people know. Treat we the people like you're supposed to when you're when you're in uh, positions of, of of authority in the government, and and give us the facts. I mean, you can not just this issue, but all kinds of other issues where they told us things over the last couple of years. The government has that just frankly were not accurate. So that, that's the part that probably bothers me the most. Just give it to us straight. We're big boys and girls. We're Americans. We can handle the truth, and that's how our great system is supposed to work. Right, right. Congressman, how far are you from this area, roughly, approximately? Yeah, no, I'm a long way. It's probably three hours from where we live. It's probably uh, over an hour from the, the easternmost part of our okay. district. So it's not really that that particularly close okay. to our, our to the fourth district of Ohio. Right. In talking to the, um, the, uh, the, the experts we just had on, uh, that uh, our industrial specialists, OSHA, they understand this stuff. And they're saying the danger is very real, that they would not stay there in that town at this point when you see all of the dead fish and animals and that sort of thing. Uh, and that yeah. there's a real health concern there is is that your sense and and what's what's the, to, just to put this in perspective what's the next step for these people there what what can we do to help them well no i do i do think there's a real concern i mean common sense tells you that when you see what what's happened to the the, the fish uh in the in the streams there um so i do think there's a real concern uh that's why i think you're, you're seeing people use bottled water and and and, and doing those sort of things Definitely. um I think what you, you continue to do everything you can to clean it up. Uh, you monitor the situation um, and, and, you know, you, you show sympathy and, and support for the folks there in the district. And that's what I, you know, I, I remember I talked to, to Congressman Johnson who represents that area. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago um, and, you know, just like what's going on there, even though it wasn't our district, you just sort of wanted to know because you, you obviously we all care about what's happening to, uh, to, to fellow citizens, fellow human beings and, uh, yeah. and, and their community. And so I, I thought it was frankly great that, that president Trump, uh, yeah. Went there to visit um, and and showed the people that he's that he's thinking of them and uh, that there's there's concern I think on the part of so many so many people around the, around the country. Yeah, and you know you put a message not not to go down this uh, road here this boulevard, but you put a, a tweet out there said maybe hiring a guy with no transportation experience to be secretary of transportation wasn't a good idea, and I only bring that up because. We have a uh, uh, we have a, a story, an essay, right, uh, a column, right up on America Out Loud now. Uh, Buttigieg, Harris, uh, Fetterman, leaders hired via forced diversity programs are failing the test. I mean, isn't that the bottom line? That's one of the really underlying problems yeah. of government. You you got to hire the right people for the job. You just can't hire them because they're black, white, blue, orange, male, female, or gay or straight. What's that got to do with anything? You know? No, it's, it's supposed to be a, a system based on merit and. You know, let's hire the people who are best for the job. And frankly, we, uh, you, me, uh, Americans don't care 
the skin color or, or, or what we want the we want the best person in the job uh, that's going to do that that's going to serve the country or, or, or you know do things the right way. Um, that that is that is just a, a hallmark of our our great great country. And yet this administration is more focused on, as you say, some kind of diversity uh, quota uh, uh, phenomenon than, than than just just putting people in the positions who are going to do the job the best. All right. So let me ask you, our listeners have been waiting to see once uh, the House uh, fell back into uh, conservative territory. Uh, we were looking at some of these investigations and things that would take place. I want to talk to you next about this. Uh, these dozen intel veterans you sent a notice to on this. And, and you know, and again, it gets partisan and political as soon as you say the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, the whole story goes south, obviously. But yeah. that's not really my point here. There was, you know, the, the in- initial 51 U.S. intelligence vets who backed it up. We know the New York Post. We know all the things that happened. The listeners are very in tune yeah. to this sort of thing. Uh, but I see the Wall Street Journal last couple of days had a story, James Clapper, the Obama director of yeah. national intelligence. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, coming out and and just poo-pooing the whole investigation and everything you're doing, which, of course, we expect because it's all very, very political. Um, so let me ask you, we have another article up for one of our professors, uh, the DOJ and U.S. Treasury not working with Congress on the Hunter probes uh, because, of the, uh-huh. you know, and as he says, these business dealings, with America's most dangerous foreign adversaries pose genuine and consequential national security threats. Uh, and a lot of people got suspect. I'm not trying to be smart here, uh, Congressman, but when China was having the spy balloons come through the country and nothing was happening, there were some serious questions being posed as to why. And then we looked back right. at some of the relationships I'm trying to connect a few dots here, but not be inflammatory. Uh, should we be mm-hmm. concerned with this sort of thing, sir? Well, it's not just, you know, whether you and I are concerned, it's the Treasury Department was concerned. And that's why, according to news accounts, according to Chairman uh, Comer of the House Oversight uh, Committee, that there are 150 suspicious activity reports that the Treasury Department has put together on the Biden family business dealing operation. So, um, again, this is one of the things that that Chairman Comer wants to get a hold of. is these. But they're not sharing it, Congressman. They're not sharing it. I know. I know. And that and that's a, that's a concern, because, again, as the name would suggest, these reports are suspicious. We're talking about moving money, large amounts of money transact. I mean, that, that that's what they're, they're trying to get to. So, yeah, I think that that it's not, again, just not conservatives who are nervous about this or concerned about this. Our actual Treasury Department put together 150 of uh, these reports. And then to the other point, I think maybe the reason Mr. Clapper has suddenly changed his story is because. We're trying to get information. Uh, the Congress is trying to get information about how the how this letter that 51 former intel officials put together on October 19, 2020, just a couple weeks before the most important election we have, election for president of the United States, election of commander in chief of our country, how they put that letter together that said that key sentence, the, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Baloney. It was true. And yet the, the real information operation seems to me to be what our government colluding with big tech did to we, the people, again, in the run up to the most important election we have. Yeah. All right. So on this story now, the, the Wall Street Journal uh, says Clapper and company letter explained that the subpoena hunter emails had all the classic earmarks of a Russian yep. information operation. I mean, how you bridge that is beyond my thinking. I don't even begin to understand that theory. Uh, but then they go on to say, but the laptop was real and Republicans suddenly have subpoena power. Now, I want to ask you, 
I mean, that's a point we were waiting for is that subpoena power. What kind of a difference will that make mm -hmm. in this case if they're not going to play ball here? Well, they, we, we've already subpoenaed some of those 51 uh, for, for information, and, and some are complying. We, we've already got some information coming in. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, some, some information that I, I find pretty interesting. So, um, again, maybe that's the reason Mr. Clapper suddenly changed his story from what it was a couple years ago. But there are already some of these people who are complying with us and working with us uh, on the committee because we have, I think, now talked to or, or sent information uh, for asking for information to 22, 20 some of those 51 individuals who signed uh, signed on to that letter. In addition to documents we've requested from from um, from uh, some of the agencies, DOJ, FBI, uh, uh, Department of Education, and then of course we've also sent infor, uh, subpoenas to the big tech companies. So. Um, yeah, we're trying to get that information and we're finding some success already. And, and when you say uh, that, uh, not to be, again, a smart guy here, but when you say uh, some of the things you've already seen were a little surprised, anything you could, uh, maybe we could break a little news here, brother? Well, well, I will, I will tell you this. For real. Uh, and, and this is this has been out there uh, a little bit. One of the whistleblowers we've talked to, um, and he actually appeared, uh, what John Solomon, a, a reporter, talked about this on, on, on the show the other, the other week. But one of the whistleblowers who was an FBI agent from the, the Boston field office talked about the pressure they were under from Washington field office and department headquarters. Uh, he specifically gave the example of two busloads of folks who came down. This is a little different situation, but two busloads of folks who came down from, from Boston to the, the rally on January 6th. And the, the Washington field office and the department sent to the Boston field office said, hey, there was 140 people on these two buses. The two people who organized it, here's a, here's, here's a picture of them inside the Capitol. We want you to open an investigation on these, these individuals. They said, okay, fine. You know, they, they, they were inside the Capitol and people did something wrong. They should, they should be held accountable for that. And they said, now we also want you to open up an investigation on the other 138. This whistleblower uh, said, well, on, on what basis? What's the, what's the predicate? What's the reason for us to do that? And they said, well, we, 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 we don't have any but we want you to do it. And he says, no, we're not going to do that. that. That was the kind of pressure. And we've mm. heard this from multiple whistleblowers to, to go after anyone who would just went to a rally. Now, remember, this is First Amendment protected speech. Right. And they said, go open up an investigation on these folks. And to the credit of the folks in the Boston field offices, they said, no, we're not doing that. And, the, and they continue to get pressure, but they stood firm defending the First Amendment. But the idea is that that kind of pressure comes from D.C. to go after people um, that, that, that to me is, is and, and we're hearing that kind of same theme from other whistleblowers as well. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Let me ask you about the Supreme Court Commission. This is a story that has been way underreported, uh, but not to you. You um, and uh, Lindsey Graham and Chuck Grassley all uh, sent letters to the Supreme Court Reform Commission. Now, all Americans should remember there was a reform commission put back together back in late 21, I believe it was. Uh, and we all remember that. It, it was very concerning. And now you're requesting documents and communications. A straight out yep. question. I mean, simple said, uh, just spend a moment on this here. But is this is based on what you know and with this commission now, and I realize you're asking for the information, which we have a right to know. Is the Supreme Court, in your opinion, in danger of becoming another tool of political elites? Is that the concern here, for real? Yeah, that's the it's the the whole effort from the from the left and the Democrats is to try to intimidate the court. Mm -hmm. And we saw with this commission because remember it was the push: we're going to pack the court, we're going to add justices to the court, we're not going to add one, we're not going to add two, we're not going to four. And why would they pick four? Because four would give them a political majority on the court. 
that, that, that is, it's been driven totally by politics. And then that was followed up by, of course, what they did with leaking the Dobbs opinion and then the, um, the harassment of, of Supreme Court justices in direct violation of 18 U.S.C. Section 1507, which says you cannot be intimidating protesting at a Supreme Court justice's home with the intention of, of influencing a decision, a pending decision. And that's exactly what they were doing. But no one got in, in any charge with anything until finally someone was trying to assassinate a sitting Supreme Court justice, Justice Kavanaugh. So if that's not intimidation, I don't know what is, not to mention what the Democrats did in the House Judiciary Committee, where they brought in folks to attack uh, Justice Thomas. I mean, it was on and on it went. I so, know. yeah, this is an effort to intimidate the court, I think, for, for, the, for the political motives. Well, that well here's the last thing on this. Will you get these documents and communications from them? We're hoping so. Uh, we, we just we just started this process and sent that initial letter. So we're certainly hoping so. We want to know what, what, what took place here and... and uh, we're convinced that the push was all all along designed to begin to lay the groundwork for packing the court. But the, it's, a, it's a broader intimidation. Effort. What they've done to Justice Thomas and his is as wrong as it gets. Of course, the, the protest, as I said, outside their homes. I mean, they were they were putting where uh, Justice Coney Barrett's uh, uh, children went to school. I mean, th- this is this is this is how the left operates, though. And this yeah, is something yeah. we need to understand and push well, back on. Everything is done in secrecy. Uh, that's the problem. And the, uh, back to what you said earlier, we the people, I mean, we just are demanding truth. Wherever the truth falls, whether it's left, right, or center, just give us the truth, the out loud truth, and we'd be happy yep. with that. And we'll deal with it, man. Whatever the consequences are, yep. Congress, we just yep. want the truth. Yep. I mean, that's it. Yep. I mean, that's well, not so hard, you know? Think about it. Think about the, the, the countless times where we haven't been given the straight story. I mean, yeah. on COVID, almost everything they told us about the virus. And look, I'm not against the vaccine. I think the vaccine was helpful for lots of Americans. But just be honest with it. Mm-hmm. Tell yeah. us. To, tell us. They, they said it. They said it wasn't gain of function research. It yeah. sure looks like it was. They said it wasn't our tax dollars used at the, the lab in China. Yes, it they were. They said it wasn't. They said it didn't come from a lab. I'm like, are yeah. you kidding me? I'm well, thinking, yeah, we have know, followed the, the, this one very closely, as you know, yeah, uh, I mean, crazy. with our expertise here. And I got to tell you, I am against the vaccine based on the current information of what I know. And, uh, and Dr. Peter McCullough and all of well, our experts here on the platform yeah. are as well, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, they, and they knew from to, to the to the start the, the, they knew from the get go that this thing likely came from a lab. Um, and I mean, we, we haven't even got, but I mean, I always joke and say, but they want us to believe it was, you know, a, a bat to a pangolin to a hippopotamus to Joe Rogan. And then the, the whole world gets, he's like, you got to be kidding me. So, and, and then of course, what they told us about the, the vaccine, the vaccine, I, I remember I asked Dr. Burks this question, uh, Malcolm, when, when she was in a hearing, it's about a year ago. And I said, Dr. Burks, when the Biden administration told us that the vaccinated couldn't get the virus, were they guessing or lying? And it was interesting because she paused and she says, well, Congressman, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that they hope that I said, so it was a hope. Why not just tell us the truth? If you think the vaccine's helpful, great, tell us that. But also be honest with us. If you get it, we think we think you're, you're, you, 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 it doesn't guarantee you're not going to get the virus. It's, it's sad that lies when people's lives are at risk, that people go back to their political partisanship and their their agenda. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty sick. I don't really understand it. All right, January 6th. So that's, we got to touch on that a minute. So and the reason is, is Speaker McCarthy now um, is defending the decision to give these uh, all this records and tape footage to uh, the yeah. Tucker Carlson, tens of thousands. Now, the rest of the media, the Associated Press, New York Times, 
Times, Washington Post, et cetera, are all demanding the materials as well and so on and so forth. Uh, now, the Washington Post says this, Carlson has repeatedly cast doubt on official accounts on what happened on January 6th and claimed it was a false flag operation. Well, without going down those rabbit holes of Pelosi and uh, the Capitol Police, and our listeners are very in tune to what took place there. L- let me just cut to the chase mm-hmm. on that. But I want to talk about these tapes and why is in the spirit of sun sunlight a problem for these people if we can't get to the out loud yeah. truth again and just put it out wh- wherever it falls again? I-, I mean, just give us the truth. Right. What's what's the problem here, right? Just, just give us the truth. Let the American people see uh, again, I go back to what I said before. It is supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Let we, the people, see the evidence. Let us decide. I mean, that's how. Just, just be, just be square with this. I mean, think about it. We, 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 they, they, uh, they, they wouldn't tell us. They, they, they said we don't know what these three balloons were that they shot down. They, they, no. They've changed the name. It's now no, no longer UFOs. It's now unidentified aerial phenomena. But just, just tell us what you know. So. Same thing here. Let that information out there. Let the American people see it. Um, and and like like we've talked about before, we can figure things out. Just let us see the facts Amen. and the Amen. truth. Yeah. They'll be playing these games. So I, I appreciate that- what Speaker McCarthy did. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you, honestly, in your heart of hearts, sincere, do you really believe that we will get the truth at any point of time in our lifetime here ahead on what really transpired on January 6th, because there's a lot of smoke there, man. I think we will get the truth, just like all the other uh, issues that have been in front of us the last several years. Uh, in the end, we figure out what happened. Let me go back to the to the whole uh, Mueller, Trump, Russia, baloney <laughs> based on <sighs> the dossier that they knew was false. In the end, we got the truth. I mean, and the one thing I always say, uh, the, the, the only thing we get wrong is that it's almost always worse than we thought. And we saw that with the Trump-Russia investigation. They knew this dossier was baloney. They were paying mm-hmm. confidential human sources who had already lied to them. They lied to the FISA court. One, one a lawyer uh, was, was charged with altering a document that was taken to the FISA court, yeah. Kevin Kleinsmith. So yeah. everything we learn about these things after we go through them, it's like it was worse than we thought. That's the one. That's the only thing we typically get wrong. So my, my gut, my gut tells me we're going to get the same um, when we go through this thing here. We're going to figure out the truth because it takes a while. Mm-hmm. It takes a while, but if you keep pushing, well, let me you ask you this: truth, and this was a big step in the right direction. We might get the truth, and I, I love your optimism with that. But why doesn't anybody ever pay a price for anything? No, it's it's one of the number one questions I get uh, as I travel around our district and frankly around the country. It, it's it's because. Again, we have three, and your listeners know this, we have three separate and equal branches of government. And, mm-hmm. and all, all we can do in the legislative branch is do the investigations to get the facts on the table and then propose legislation exactly. that we think will help fix the problem. But we can't, we can't prosecute anyone. Only the executive branch can do that. And uh, now a few people have been, as I mentioned, this, this guy who lied, Mr. Kleinsmith, who lied in front of the FISA court, he was actually, he was actually prosecuted. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating when you think people do this kind mm-hmm. of thing and and give the American people information that's not true, and no right. one ever seems to be well, accountable. And, and here's the difference: if it, if, if Republicans, if it was the Democrats and the cards were flipped, they would have the media in their back pocket, and the media and, and the and the Democrats would demand would demand, and they do that all the time. Is they went after the circle sure around do. Trump? Remember, remember, and. Of course, they continue to do so. They, yeah, yeah, they continue to do so. Right. The last uh, thing you saw to, this. You saw this. I was just going to say, you saw this the, recently. This uh, the the the, the uh, foreman of the jury 
and the things she said, um, uh, it was like, this shows how aggressive the left is at going after anyone associated with Trump and trying to get President Trump. And I think the reason they do it, frankly, Malcolm, is because he was, he, he did so much of what he said he would do more than any president, yep. certainly in my lifetime. Amen. And they Amen. just can't, the, the establishment just can't take that. Well, what, what, what did he say in the movie, Nicholson? You can't handle the truth, right? <laughs> that what it is? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I don't know anybody can. But uh, now you've just been the, the real crux. I want to bring this to a head now because this was kind of interesting. And this really spoke to me. And it's, <laughs> it's a pretty sad state of affairs, Congressman. But you were just put the chairman of the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal mm -hmm. government. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so this is a big one to me, uh, and because we all know this has been happening, and nobody's paying a price for this, nobody's paying attention, and I've been wanting to talk to you about this story now, because you're chairman of this thing, and let me just put this out here, trust in government is, I mean, you couldn't even say it's at an all-time low, it's sunk below the mud, when, mm -hmm. it, when, and listen to this here, this may be something you may not, you, you may or may not know, but back in 1958, that question was asked through Pew Research, about three quarters of Americans trusted the federal government back in 1958. That was before you and I were born now, Jim. Okay. So that goes back a yep. few years. Yep. All right. Now, now yep. fast forward now and uh, only listen to this. This is, this is throws on the floor here. Uh, Pew Research says only two in 10 Americans say they trust the government in Washington to do what is right just about always. And 19% said some of the time. I mean, the numbers are staggering. And I got poll after poll here. So the point is, this weaponization is part of the problem. The DOJ, the FBI, yep. the CIA, the Homeland Security, you go down the litany list, there isn't a government agency that people are excited about. The bureaucracy is running high and low. What do you hope to do? This is a big deal to my listeners now. The the, the subcommittee, your uh, chairman of the weaponization of the federal government, talk to us about this, please. Well, step one is you have to, you have to get all the facts on the table so the country sees how serious the problem is. Step two, of course, is then you propose legislation to to help remedy the situation. We're going to do all that. And I think the, the real focus is what they've done to the First Amendment. Uh, I mean, maybe the best example is, is, is maybe not even the FBI, but it's the Department of Homeland Security, which tried to set up a disinformation governance board, as if some federal agency is going to tell American citizens, here's what's appropriate speech, here's what is not appropriate. That, that is so contrary to the First Amendment and then you, you see, again, the example we talked about earlier, where big government, big tech got together. The FBI was meeting with big tech every week in the run up to the 2020 election and the midterm elections last year saying, oh, they were sending him lists. You better take these tweets down. We think they violate your terms of service, Twitter. We think they violate Twitter's terms of service. I mean, that's craziness. So the idea that the First Amendment has been under assault in the last couple of years by government is, is frightening to me because that... <clears throat> I tell people all the time, if you can't speak, none of your rights matter. You can't practice your faith. You can't share your faith. You can't petition your government. You don't have freedom of press. If your right to speak, and that's exactly what they were going after. So that's what we really want to fundamentally highlight and, and then propose legislation. I want to give a, a, a sincere, from my listeners to you, thank you for being that true conservative person who stands in a, in a sea of mud, really, a very difficult situation here, and a representative of we the people, we truly are respectful to the work you're doing, sir. Thank you. Well, thank you. You're doing the real work. You're getting the message out to the American people. And, and you know, I'm just 
trying to go fight for the things and do the things we told the voters we're going to do. But we appreciate what you do and, and all your listeners and, and the idea that we live in the greatest country ever. And let's just let's just keep trying to fight for those constitutional principles that make us the greatest country. Yeah, we will never cease to to uh, push that fight forward, Congressman, to be sure here. Uh, thank you for joining us on Viewpoint this Sunday. You bet. And um, friends, yes, Malcolm, thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. And, uh, you know, he is a voice of times that people can uh, uh, they respect and and you can hear it in his tone. I mean, you know, he's sincere, at least on the truth. We're all out for the truth. I mean, that's really what it is at the end of the day, friends. Well, up next here, Dr. Jim Thorpe joins us. Very interesting, this uh, report he has about the dangers. This is significant now. Uh, in fact, he just had a, 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 was just on Tucker Carlson about this program, getting it out there, and his report that he has here on the dangers of this shot to uh, specifically OBGYN to pregnant women, which we've been talking about, Dr. McCullough and I have covered this, uh, but this some new information here. We'll take that up next, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It's Malcolm Out Loud here, friends, and a privilege as always to be with you. Thank you for joining us here and helping us get to the out loud truth out across our great country to all our fellow Americans. And of course, our show is heard all around the world on iHeartRadio Network. Uh, and of course, our free apps on Apple, Android, Alexa. Uh, we have a world-class media player as well. If you just go back to americaoutloud.com, hit that listen live, and you'll be impressed if you've never done that. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, player there. Well, listen, we're going to jump into a serious uh, conversation now. This is something we've uh, followed very closely over the past years, and we suspected some of this. But uh, really excited to have on here uh, Dr. James uh, Thorpe joins us. Um, Dr. Jim Thorpe uh, goes by James or Jim and a whole bunch of other things here. It's great to have you on here, Jim. Welcome aboard here. It's such an honor and a privilege to be on your platform, Malcolm. You're, you're a true hero broadcasting out the truth. Uh, and thank you for giving my patience a voice. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you, sir. So let me tell folks a little bit about uh, Dr. Thomas, a board-certified OBGYN, a maternal-fetal uh, medicine specialist. Uh, been at it a long time. Um, you made a statement on your um, episode this past week, uh, Doc, about uh, to, uh, on, when you were on Tucker Carlson's show. And I want to say, because it, it stopped me in my tracks, I actually transcribed it myself and listened to the words. And you said this, one can make a very strong argument 
the pushing of these experimental COVID-19 vaccines globally is the greatest violation of medical ethics in the history of medicine. Now, that is no small statement to make. Our listeners are pretty in tune to what's going on here. Elaborate on that statement, please, sir. Sure. Never, ever before in the history of medicine or even all of humanity have we ever broken the sacrosanct golden rule of pregnancy with a experimental genetic technology shot, not just regionally, but globally. So I don't like making hyperbolic statements. Amen. But think about this. It's true. And uh, it's extraordinarily unfortunate. And um, this has never been done before. You know, Ignaz Philip Semmelweis in, in the mid-19th century came up against the same opposition. It's, it's no different. Galileo came up with the same opposition. It's a politically incorrect narrative that I have, according to Sir Karl Popper, um, who was the scientist and knighted in the UK, science progresses by refutation and falsification. And I have refuted and falsified the false, deadly narrative of the medical, military, industrial complex. This peer-reviewed, it's going to be peer-reviewed soon, and you'll tell us about that in a minute. But I, in some of the notes I wrote here, Doc, I'm shocked at some of the numbers, and I want you to break this down. But you compared the COVID-19 vaccine adverse events over 18 months with that of the influential vaccine over 282 months, using FDA and CDC data, as I understand it. And they use it twofold or greater as abnormal. And the numbers you found, if you're not sitting down out there, uh, listeners, you'll want to sit down so you don't fall down. And I'm going to have Doc tell you what the numbers were. I mean, they're in the stratosphere. I can't count that high. Go ahead, Doc. Tell us what you found here, please. Well, uh, what we found is, and, and again, I don't want to get too technical here, Malcolm, but this is exactly what the CDC and the FDA advised. So a proportional ratio risk. So it's very different from some other metrics. And I won't get into the weeds on this, but a twofold increase in PRR. Malcolm, we use governmental data. We didn't see a twofold increase. Hmm. We saw increases that were in the stratosphere. Uh, I had to use a semi-log graph on my forest plots. Otherwise, the 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 numbers, the plots would be up very, very high off the graph. So we're looking at almost a 1,200-fold increase in severe menstrual abnormalities, a 57-fold increase in miscarriage, a 38-fold increase in fetal death, also known as stillbirth. And there are 15 other major pregnancy complications that likewise drastically breached the FDA and CDC safety signal. And this is not Jim Thorpe's data. This is governmental data. And if you don't believe your governmental data, then my OBGYN colleagues um, and naysayers, you better believe Pfizer 
internal documents themselves, mm-hmm. which are just as catastrophic, and they tried to hide for 75 years. Yeah. Now, if they're saying, Doc, that a two, I want people to really understand the gravity of what we just said. They're saying, they being the FDA and the CDC are suggesting and saying that, okay, a twofold or greater is abnormal, meaning don't go there, meaning danger, danger, meaning stay away, (laughs) abnormal, not good. And the numbers you just stated would mean this thing is a recipe for disaster. So this to, for this to be peer-reviewed now, who's involved in this? When will this happen? What will this do to the CDC and FDA? Will this turn heads? Will this get them to get off their hands or their backsides and do something about it? What do you think? Uh, no, it'll be completely ignored, just like they've completely ignored everything else. And honestly, um, I and uh, how can they be in not- denial of this, though? I don't understand. Oh. Well, it's, I'll cut to the chase, okay? Um, Progressivism is a mental illness. And if you don't believe that, just read St. Paul in Romans chapter one. I can't fix mental illness. Um, Only God can. So, you know, when you have this issue where, you know, men, they're, and this is the same with the American Board of OBGYN, the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine the American College of OBGYN, and this is not hyperbole, when they're more focused on gender being defined as a state of mind rather than a penis or a vagina, and they're trying to promote uh, men menstruating, um, tampon dispensers in men's rooms, men uh, having menstrual periods and, and ovulating and getting pregnant and then having babies and chest feeding, this is their agenda. This is their new agenda. This is what they're teaching, their new science. Two plus two equals five. I can't fix that. But um, this is not Jim Thorpe's data. This is governmental data. And this is Pfizer's own data. They won't listen to it because, Malcolm, it was a fait complete to roll this out yeah. in the general population, in the most vulnerable population of preg- my patients, pregnant women and children. It, there was never science. This was never about data. Um, this was about rolling out an mRNA platform for some future purpose that that I, you know, we can speculate on, and I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Right. But it, it's not for helping patients. It's killing my patients globally, mm-hmm. and it needs to stop. And it needs to stop now. Yeah. So you're saying you don't see the scales tipping back anytime soon. The further we reported on uh, that, we said the further we get from this um, ground zero of COVID, we've speculated that more and more truth is going to come out over time. And we'll start to see the egregious things that have transpired all over the place. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's beyond the human comprehension as to what has transpired here. And we still don't even know the gravity of all of it yet. But, you know, Dr. McCullough and I talk all the time on broadcast about, well, will, will there ever be a group or a, or, or a government or some officials or something to admit or say, or something suggest that, well, we, we screwed up. We, 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 we made a mistake. But they seem to double down and triple down all the time, Doc, versus, you know, 
admit in anything. And I don't know if that's because of the liability involved, although we know all the big farmers, they've got to pass on the liability. But I wonder what really, I mean, do these people have a conscience at all? Or uh, do they, ju- are they just going to double, triple down? And it appears to yes. be you're thinking it's the latter, isn't it? That's right. And again, just read God through St. Paul in Romans 1, and you'll have all your answers. This is a spiritual battle of good versus evil. And um, listen, the entire, I call it now, you know, the Eisenhower JFK term of military industrial complex, they murdered my president for a coup d'etat. And it, it was never, we never held them accountable. That was our government that murdered my president when I was 10 years old. Mm. And now it's morphed into the medical military industrial complex. It's been unchecked for 60 years and it's out of control. Listen, in February 28th, 2021, the Pfizer 5.3.6 data that they tried to hide for 75 years was in possession by Walensky, uh, Rochelle Walensky, and colleagues at the CDC and FDA. That was February 28, 2021. And they were reported 1,223 dead people after the vaccine in the first 90 days of rollout. And they still hide it. It's murder. They're continuing to push it. They're guilty of third degree. Uh, They need to be tried for third degree murder and uh, assault and battery and crimes against humanity. And they haven't even exposed this to the American people. And the sad reality is when you mentioned those 1,200 deaths back in the 21, the sad reality thing, historically, if you had had 50 altercations of anything in history, uh, if you had had 50, it would have been yanked from the market so fast your head would have spun. And yet here, they just let it all go on and they double and triple down. None of it makes sense. Uh, last but, word, Dr. Thorpe. Yeah. Well, my personal testimony, 1976. Okay. Swine. I was in medical school, Wayne State University School of Medicine. Yeah. And just 26, not 50, just 26 deaths and a few yeah. cases of Guillain-Barre. And the swine flu vaccine was immediately swept from the market. Same thing happened with the rotavirus vaccine for toddlers. So none of this makes any sense. So none of it. So why why hasn't that happened? You don't you don't know why, do, or do you know? I know that it's a fait complete, That there's some other mo. I know that the DOD is involved. I know that the administration is involved, mm-hmm. and the progressives in the World Economic Forum are involved. I cannot ascribe, and I cannot. Mm-hmm understand or judge somebody's heart and their motivation. I want to stick with the facts. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what you say there is a very good place to, uh, to end, to give people some thought and pause uh, when you connect the dots that way. What else could we do at that point when it's so egregious what's happening here? Uh, Dr. Jim Thorpe, thank you for all the work you do. Uh, this we definitely will reconnect here again on, on all of this. Uh, thank you for the work, sir, that you do. You're honest. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Malcolm. Okay, that's Dr. Jim Thorpe. And uh, friends, what an incredible program uh, to be sure here, a Viewpoint this Sunday. Uh, again, it will go to podcast Sunday afternoon after 3, 3, 4 in the afternoon. You'll get it on all the podcast networks worldwide. Uh, thank you for joining us and being part of the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.